fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It is the 30-something movie podcast. It is episode number 405, Under Siege. And uh, I have with me this evening, I, Dennis actually, had, he's here, but he had to step away for just a moment. He might be back here in a second. Oh, Dennis is here. There he is. Hey, Dennis. I'm back, yeah. I've also got Pat with me here. Pat, how's it going? Great. Good to see you. Excellent. And Bo. Bo, how are you? Yo. Yo, doing yo. well yourself? Doing all right. Uh, Excellent. We're, we're going to start this episode off with a a little bit of a special tribute because oh boy, there was <laughs> Pat knows what's coming. <laughs> so the year was what did we decide? The year was twenty twelve. Two thousand and twelve. So this is like the tenth anniversary Great. year. Oh, we should have just done a Patreon episode on this whole thing. There <laughs> we go. So do we oh, stop yeah. now and just? Patreon it next month. I mean, no, I, I think as as with when we, we can at least view it and then, yeah, uh, well, and then always double back and as with when we can't we, stop, we've got to slow down first. Yeah, as when with when we made this short film, I think once you get going, you can't stop. Like it just you have to keep going. You don't have a choice. It is what it is. And so what we're referring to is is that we we were all working uh, together. Well, Patrick and Dennis and Jason, who uh, used to be on the podcast many, many, many years ago, were all working together at the same middle school. And I think the well, story Jason is... wasn't working at that time. Well, that's also true. Um, he, he was employed <laughs> Sorry, there, but yeah. Jason had a student teacher, and so he did not have some of the same classroom responsibilities that we did at that point. So he, he got it in his head that he wanted to do something a little creative and make a movie trailer that was kind of based on a under siege, diehard kind of premise. Well, the two choices were officially the the uh, Freaky Friday teacher swap with a body of a student, or it was the Under Siege Die Hard thing. That was our two choices, and okay. we obviously went with the Under Siege choice. But okay. yeah, those were the two ideas initially. Okay. And so what we're going to do here tonight, because this is our Under Siege episode, is uh, Bo has actually never seen this before. I didn't realize that Bo has never seen this video before, and so we're gonna we're gonna play it live on the air here and get Bo's initial reaction. And get our other, the rest of us, our 10th anniversary reactions, I guess, to this short film, this kind of movie trailer that uh, we created about 10 years ago called The Band Director. Featuring as the, in the starring role, Mr. Patrick Canigallo. Oh, and, boy. And, I his, just, and his motorcycle. Yeah. And I just want to go on the record as saying, I only read the lines. Okay, I didn't write the lines. <laughs> and I, I will say this. I never thought I could act. I never felt like I could act. That was never a skill set that I have. But after what, this has just been a lot of fun. 
But after watching this, like even the worst movies out there, I have respect for the actors because, because I know that I just can't do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it was a very fun, but, but very humbling experience too. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the video. The, the rest of the guys here, obviously this is an audio podcast. The rest of the guys here will be able to see the video. I am going to link the video when we put this out on Twitter. I'll put it in the show notes, everything else. I'll link the video in here. So anybody who's listening, if you want to go see it, I don't know if we've ever shared it in the past, but if anybody wants to go see it, we'll, we'll put it in there and you can go take a look at it on YouTube. But this is a movie trailer for a movie that never fully came out even though we had many requests for it this is a movie trailer for a 2012 movie called the band director so without further ado here is the band director from jason hey uh pat it's uh jason and uh, and dennis tell them to come in tomorrow we're wondering can you guys uh, can you can you come in tomorrow jason tomorrow sunday yeah yeah, tell them to come in tomorrow. Okay, we need to time? watch this Monday because school's out. <laughs> yeah, because school's out, and so it's like it, it should only take about a half hour. I'm like, okay, well, I'll I'll swing by after church, and I got there at like 9:30. They'd been editing for 24 hours, and we filmed from 9:30 till about five o'clock or six o'clock that evening, including stuff with Roach, which then ended up on the cutting room which floor. Which never made it in. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, because I, oh, I feel like I, I feel like I got that Sunday call, and it was just like, "Hey, uh, can you come in for that?" No, no, nope, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, oh, um, but yeah, but but like, this is coming out tomorrow. We like need to get this done. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, my favorite editing moment was when the, that line, the music line at the on the top of the roof, where you're like a tad flat. First of all, I was down on the ground filming up, and these guys are on the roof, and it's like you know two thirty, and next thing I know, it's three o'clock, and then it's three ten, and they're still working on this one line. And it's about how to say it. It's like big 58 because Pat would go, it's a tad flat. And then Jason's like, I think maybe you should like tug on your ear or something and say tad flat. Oh, Christ. Tad flat. And then I think it's a tad flat. Like every like way you can pronounce it or inflection and everything else. And they're doing all these takes on this. I'm sitting down there going, oh, my God. Like, come on. It's one freaking line. And then the next thing I know, we're editing. And Jason, because we've seen it a thousand times, the line's no longer funny for him. So he's like, I think we should just delete that. I'm like, no, you know what? I sat there for 45 minutes. That it's like, it's like Spielberg I'll be on the damned boat if you're deleting that. Or, uh, you know, yeah, it's like where he's filming all those scenes and it's like, you know what? No, we're keeping it in the darn film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a tad flat. And Pat was like, I got it. Wait, no, it's a tad flat. <laughs> the fight scenes are hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, on yeah. The roof, it was like I'm like it looked like they were playing patty cake at one point. It was just, it's just kind of like, yeah, it was good, good times. All right, so you're welcome, Bo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you'd be like all the sixth graders who keep asking us where can we see the actual film. <laughs> yeah, where's the whole movie? Yeah, they they want us to they want us to make the. I whole looked movie. on Netflix. It's not on there. <laughs> <laughs> Nor will it be. Nor will it be. <laughs> I'm I'm just waiting for the prequel where we get to find out more about the life story of Dr. Edward Moto. Yeah, yeah, Ed Moto. Because <laughs> at that time, John was pushing Ed Moto pretty heavily. Yeah. <laughs> for those not for those not in the education world, that's a learning yeah. management system that you could use to put your classwork up. And for those not in the educational world, you, you don't care. Yeah, you don't care. <laughs> Let's no. be honest, dear guys. <laughs> they don't. Care. They don't. 
Thank God that Bo appreciated the rock beats, uh, symbols beat chair. Thank you. <laughs> I fought for that one in there. As, as well you should. It's like he's got to say something. Yes. <laughs> I got it. Rock beats, yes. symbols beat chair. Because, yes. And the one line that still bothers me, Pat, you know what it is, which is the one that bothers me. Not that that's the line, but the way it was recorded. Remember what it was? That I said, we got to reshoot one day and re-put it in there, but we've never done it. It's time for your curtain call, right? Nope. Nope. Wait. You smiled during that a little bit, but that's all right. It's the one where you say, because at least I think Bo caught it. was the, that's not my lesson plan for today. The audio is too quiet. We couldn't do that with the audio. Yeah. And I'm like, I wanted that line to be louder and more pronounced. Like, like we, I mean, it was my fault because the the mic I think that I had was the on-camera mic and not the, uh, the boom mic that I had. Yeah. So it's a quieter line, and no matter how I tried to boost it in post, I can never quite get it as high. It was actually quieter than that. But yeah. I'm like, I want people to hear that one. Of, it's not my lesson plan for today. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, always cringe when I see that one. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was awkward that you kept telling Pat, do it slower like Roger Moore. <laughs> or, like Roger Moore. <laughs> Slower, more slower, and, and more intensity. Well, there's the blooper somewhere that still have to get out. Where you were, you had that, you had that walkie-talkie, and yeah. I know you're yeah. going off for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and just, I love my way. Like, oh, there's a bunch of, it's just a bunch of stuff here. <laughs> Me? No, saying- uh, John. John had the walkie-talkie, oh, okay. and he was in the in the in the uh, group of the conference room. Mm-hmm. And he was the ones where he's like, I want you to die. You know, like, like I expect you to die. Yeah. He was doing a bunch of phrases from movies. There's I love my wife. Something about I love my wife. That one. It was like, a bu- I, there's just a bunch. I think you just told me to get on the mic. Uh, get C on the walkie stands talkie for just... something. What is it? <laughs> I don't even remember. I forgot what you said. Does a C stand for something or whatever? It was like all these things you're just throwing out, like just repeating and going like, it was like letting Bill Murray go loose on set. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just keep talking. Just keep going. We'll get something good out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and you just kept back like you're talking on the walkie-talkie. Yeah. <laughs> I do not think the words you say uh, mean what you think they do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blow off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. now that we've now that we've graced everybody with the band director, we can get on to Under Siege. So very, very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about here, so this is your only warning. And visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can rate, leave a voicemail, or become a co-executive producer via Patreon. If you do, this month, you will get the awesome, awesome episode on the 1952 movie High Noon. We had a really good time talking about that one, so if you want to go listen to that one, there'll be a preview that'll, that'll be out on the regular channel. It's usually about 15, 20 minutes long or so, but if you want the full episode of that one, you got to go over, and any level of support there on Patreon gets you access to that. So head on over there if you want to check that one out. And one quick thing on the question with that movie, the band director, and it's like if we were doing a real episode on this, it's like we one of our famous questions that we typically will ask about movies is, could this movie have been filmed today? It's <laughs> 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 a social situation and things, and I'm like, I do remember the story, too, where we had Mr. Springborn there, Tom, uh, tied up in his office and, the, and there and there was uh there was guys outside the thing doing the uh, the grounds crew the maintenance the landscaping and i'm just thinking we have this they're looking through a window they have no idea what's going on and we've got a principal tied up with ropes and stuff and a, and a piece of tape on his mouth i'm surprised the cops were not called for that but well they were he was sitting outside eating donuts 
I was going to say, <laughs> Jones was yeah, busy yeah. with his donuts. Yeah. We had all the bases covered. Yeah, Candy true. bag of donuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, our movie this time around is Under Siege. It came out on the 9th of October, 1992, rated R, with a runtime of one hour, 43 minutes, directed by Andrew Davis, who also did The Fugitive, The Holes, The Guardian. Writer for this one was J.F. Lawton, who also did Pretty Woman, Chain Reaction, and Blank Man. Producers were Arnon Milchan, who did L.A. Confidential and Birdman, Stephen Ruther, who uh, died in 2010 and did Pretty Woman and Face Off, and Steven Seagal, who produced Above the Law and The Patriot. Music was done by Gary Chang, who did Point of No Return, The Island of Dr. Moreau, and Double Team. Uh, Double Team, that classic, classic Dennis Rodman movie. Anybody see Double Team? No. No? Okay. I have not. See, I, I figured being from around Chicago, like this would be the one group that if anybody had seen Double Team, it'd be somebody in this group. No. No. Okay. I did see. I saw Space Jam seven times in the theater. But... I would say I saw Space Jam. And what was the other one Rodman was in with the North Korean guy? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. The... Didn't pay that much attention to the Dennis Rodman movies. Yeah. It'll come to me. Let's see. Cinematography was done by Frank Tidy, who died in 2017. He did Chain Reaction, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, and The Duelists. Editors for this one, bunch of editors for this one, Don Brochu, Robert A. Ferretti, Dov Honig, and Dennis Verkler. And they did, let's see, Brochu did The Fugitive and Chain Reaction. Ferretti did Tango and Cash and Lockup. I really likes the prison movies. Honig did Dark City and The Last of the Mohicans. Verkler did The Hunt for Red October and Batman and Robin. What a spectrum that one is to go for The Hunt for Red October to Batman and Robin. <laughs> Some things in here don't react too well to bullets. Yeah, that, that's a that's a bit of a slide. Uh-huh. That's what we did. When you talk about a sliding scale, that's maybe what that means. Budget for this one was $35 million, Box office 156.6. Flick Metrics gives it a 62% cinema score and A-. Starring Steven Seagal as Casey Ryback. He was in On Deadly Ground, Above the Law, and Exit Wounds. Damien Chapa played Tackman. He was in Vatos Locos, Luz, and Blood In, Blood Out. Troy Evans played Granger. He was in Demolition Man, Teen Wolf, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. David McKnight played Flicker. He was in Pump Up the Volume, Hollywood Shuffle, and Superhero Movie. Patrick O'Neill, who died in 1994, played Captain Adams. He was in the 1975 Stefford Wives, In Harm's Way, and The Kremlin Letter. Gary Busey was in Address and played Commander Krill. He was in Point Break, Lethal Weapon, and Predator 2. Glenn Morshower played Ensign Taylor. He was in 24, TV series called Bloodline, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. Bernie Casey, who died in 2017, played Commander Harris. He was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, In the Mouth of Madness, and Revenge of the Nerds. Raymond Cruz played Ramirez. He was in Training Day, Alien Resurrection, Clear and Present Danger. Dwayne Davis played Johnson. He was in The Program, Beetlejuice, and Ghosts of Mars. Tommy Lee Jones played William Stanix. He was in The Fugitive, No Country for Old Men, and Lincoln. Erica Aleniak played Jordan Tate. She was in E.T., the 88 version of The Blob, and The Beverly Hillbillies. And Cole Meany played Dahmer. He was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Con Air, and the TV series Hell on Wheels. A heroic loner takes on a group of nuclear terrorists in this seagoing yarn. 
Posing as a rock band, the terrorists get themselves hired for a party aboard the USS Missouri, a battleship en route to Pearl Harbor for decommissioning. They plan to steal the ship's nuclear arsenal, but haven't reckoned on the intervention of the ship's chef, a decorated former Navy SEAL. It was the final voyage of America's mightiest battleship. What's on this helicopter? This little sweetheart. Miss July 89. God, I love this business. I love you. The party was wild. Love you today. They really knocked them dead. Imagine this arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons falling into the wrong hands. The Pentagon never did. Four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. Now, a team of terrorists have taken over. Wake up the president. But there's just one thing they didn't count on. The cook. Are you like some special forces guy or something? No, I'm just a cook. Oh my God, we're gonna die. This is not the work of a cook. I want you to coordinate your efforts with us. Yes, sir. I see that you completely disobeyed my orders. Roger that. Ryback is an ex-seal. Expert in martial arts. Explosives. Stand back! Weapons and tactics. I also cook. The Nimitz is tracking two tomahawks just launched from the Missouri. Where are they headed? Honolulu. Happy trails. Steven Seagal. I know you, don't I? Tommy Lee Jones. Been a long time. I'll see you in hell, Senator Boy! Under Siege. All right. First time you saw this movie, and how does it make you feel? Before you say, I just want to clarify now after listening to that, that our idea for the band director was completely original, and we took absolutely nothing from that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this isn't the work of a chef. <laughs> that was the line that Roach wasn't in with Aaron. It was uh, We had her film the one where he goes, I'm just a band director. And she's like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Gonna die. <laughs> that was the one that we filmed in a, in, a, in a closet room somewhere. That was the one that never made on the end of the – that's when we called her an especially for, and we never used it. <laughs> she you, she didn't jump out of a cake, did she? No, okay. no. We were trying to get that, but that didn't happen. Uh-huh. That's probably for the best, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, first time I saw it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say just right off the bat because I'll be walking up as I'm listening to your responses. I did not see this at the theater. I did see it when it came out first on uh, VHS. So when it was on video, my dad got this, and we all watched. I remember my whole family watching, my brothers, and we were uh, thoroughly entertained. It was a good movie. It was one of my favorite Steven Seagal movies, probably. So yeah. Same here. I really like this one. I saw it. Probably like Dennis when it came out on VHS. I don't think we went to the theater for it, but yeah, I like it a lot. Same, same for Pat. It's uh, it's a fun movie. I saw it, I don't know, at some point we rented it. It probably came up at a sleepover or something like that. We watched it, but yeah, fun movie. That's it. That's it. It's a fun movie. The first time I've ever seen this movie was two days ago. Oh wow! Really? All so right. I had I had not seen this one before. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. It was so 
dumb and ridiculous that some parts were kind of fun? <clears throat> I, I suppose that you're further away from the 80s for seeing it the first time. So you I, know what I'm saying? I think that was part of the problem. I was like, there was some of this that I was like, this is this is time I'm not going to get back. And you know what? I have actually never been, I think I started to try to watch some Steven Seagal movies several years ago. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, I've never been able to get into Steven Seagal as the kind of the, the lead actor in a movie. And this, this one was fine. Like the action stuff was fine. And there were some parts that were funny. And I think, I think it was maybe a little, a little too weirded out by Gary Busey in the dress at the beginning of the movie. That was a little, it was a little intense. That was not what I was expecting. And, and it took him a good like five to 10 minutes to be like, maybe I should go change. Like, no, actually I was going to suggest you should have changed like eight minutes ago, but yeah, that's, that's fine. Please go do that. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones was, was hilarious in this. I loved his character. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, it, it's the eighties. I mean, even though we're in the nineties, it's like the eighties action movie ridiculousness. It really, right. I, I got some real Delta Force vibes on this. I mean, it, it should have been, if they were still around, this would have totally been a canon film. So those were kind of the vibes I was getting. And uh, it was fine. It was fine. You know, I, it, I'm not going to say it was like my favorite action movie ever. And I'm probably not going to watch it again. And I don't know that it's inspired me to get super excited about watching other Steven Seagal movies. But I'm like, yeah, it was fine. It was parts were fun. You had some absolutely gorgeous shots of the, I'm drawing a blank. I almost said the Missouri. The Missouri, yeah. Because it was filmed on the Alabama. Yeah. Did you get to, you got all the, all the trivia? And, yeah. 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 But I'll, I'll say that, like the shots of the Missouri sailing around and, oh man, I, I, I could sit there and just replay that and watch that like eight or 10 or 1200 times in a row. Oh yeah, no, all the all the shots of the it it reminded me of I had written I can't remember what the name of it was. There was a documentary where they were doing like I mean I feel like there were multiple episodes of it, but it was like this documentary series on like a day in the life of an aircraft carrier and it just kind of reminded me of that. I don't remember what it was called, but it was you know, Was it was it back during the Gulf War? Might have I feel it's a little later than that, but it might have been. And it was not, I'm sorry, not the Gulf War, but like the second Gulf War, the one right after 9-11. Probably. And I think it was called Carrier, and it was like a 10-part miniseries. Could have been. Yeah, that sounds about right. Does it, is that the one where like they focus on different aspects of the thing, and one of them is on the pilots, and they've got that really dramatic thing where it's, they're trying to yes. land the planes in rough weather? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Was Holy that. cats. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, so as that much was... as I, I mean, there were, there were parts of this that I enjoyed. There were, there were a lot of parts that I was like, ah, I'm not getting this time back. But what it did make me want to do is like, I want to go back and find that carrier show. I didn't remember the name of it, but I'm like, I want to go back and find that documentary. Yeah. It's, I'm almost, I'm almost sure it's called carrier or aircraft carrier. Whatever, but yeah, it is. I, ju I just looked it up and it's on, I don't know if you can watch all the parts on here, but it's on pbs.org and it looks like there's full episodes of carrier on here. Yeah, well, it's 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 a great documentary about some of the men and women that you know serve our country and, and everything like that. But and and you you really see all different aspects of life on a carrier, from the glamorous to the not as glamorous. And yeah, it's it's a great documentary. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So I, this one starts off, and we we get the the kind of the the whole idea of the story 
is that the ship is being decommissioned, so it's kind of on its final voyage, and we get introduced to Rybeck is the chef on the ship, and he's he's a little different from everybody else. Everybody else is in their uniforms. He's not. There's a bunch of kind of a back and forth between him and a bunch of the other guys down you know below deck, and you just kind of get the sense that he does his own thing. He's a he's a loner, Dottie, a rebel. Mm-hmm. And so you get, I mean, right from the very beginning, you do get some kind of fun where you've got kind of these like side sideways glances between him and Gary Busey at the beginning, and they do a little verbal sparring there. And and at this point, you don't quite know that Gary Busey is is one of the bad guys and is setting up this whole thing. I mean, you, you should realize he is because he's got the uh, Klingon name, Commander Krill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that would have made that, like, so much better for me is that if some point in the movie he, you know, Steven Seagal has to kick him off the side of the battleship and just tell him, I have had enough of you, and then kick him in the face and have him fall yeah. into the ocean and get eaten by a dolphin or or a humpback whale would have been great. I think that would have been mm-hmm. poetic. But, but uh, yeah, so this the, the beginning of the movie, we're getting the whole setup. And, and from this point on, we, we know that there's going to be this surprise party. And, I mean, there's a ton of red flags here. If if I didn't already know kind of what was going to happen in this movie, I'm, I'm sitting there going, wait, we, we want to keep some information from the captain because it's his surprise party. Okay, that doesn't seem maybe a little shady at all. Um, right. Okay, we don't want to tell anybody about this. Because of the surprise party. Okay, again, a little shady, but all right, I will, I'll allow it for now, and, and we'll see. And, uh, yeah, just uh, a few too many shady things going on in the beginning that should have been should have been a little bit more noticeable to somebody. Right, right. And then what I thought was kind of fun was you get the, uh, you get like a little, almost like a documentary within the movie. Uh, they've got some of the history of the USS Missouri, and they have some scenes where there's like, you know, George H.W. Bush giving a speech. And mm-hmm. so, like, part of this was like, did they actually get George Bush to be in this movie? Right. So, so I'll, I'll ask you guys this. What is, I mean, we we really don't have the, the whole beginning of your series, like the setup for everything. And then as we jump into, we, we get the, the rock band on board, we get the, what was it? Miss July on board and uh, all the pieces are in place where they need to be. And then all of a sudden we realize that this has all been happening so that they can, they do the takeover of the nuclear weapons on this nuclear vessel. And mm-hmm. from that point on the action starts. And tell me a little bit about that. Like, what is where does this rank for you guys? Like, in terms of, it's very much a a diehard kind of a movie. We made some of those comparisons. It's like with when we made our little movie, it was like a diehard, a under siege, a, this kind of a thing. So, like, where does this fall for you in terms of other movies that are kind of like this, where it's the the one guy against the rest of the terrorists that have taken over everything? Is it just diehard on a boat, or is it different? Well. I, I like I like this movie. I like Steven Seagal in this movie. I mean, there's some parts where some of the dialogue and some of the scenes are a little a little awkward and all that kind of thing. I, I think comparing it to like a Die Hard, that that movie just you know flowed so nicely. I mean, and and all, all of it really worked well together as a movie. And then over and above that, an action movie. I mean, this one, I, I, there, there are a, a couple of scenes where things get a little awkward or whatnot. But for me, I. It's a great action movie. I mean, bad guys take over the ship. They're going to 
launch missiles and do mayhem. So the guy has to, the Navy SEAL has to stop him. And I think the, the, the comedy works. I mean, the action scenes are fun. There's lots of noise and gunfire and people running and jumping and all those kind of things that uh, go into making a good action movie. Stuff blows up, right? Helicopters are blowing up and so forth. And, and as in any movies and especially action movies, there's always like, I got to suspend my disbelief and kind of turn my brain off for a little bit so I can enjoy this movie. But there's, there's a place for that. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I felt like the action was fun and Steven Seagal brings his own unique, you know, brand and style to the action movie actor role. He doesn't do the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. He doesn't do the Sly Stallone thing. He does, he does his own thing. And that seemed to work in this movie. So. I mean, I'll just piggyback on Pat's thing. Like everything you said is, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with all that. I think, I think that I appreciate it in the sense of like a little bit different than I heard. I mean, it's obviously similar, but I think it's almost a smarter choice putting it on a boat because I think of all these situations where sometimes I feel like when you're in the city and you have all that happening in a building that there would have been better kind of, it wouldn't all fall on one man. But when you're on a boat with nuclear weapons, it only can only fall, like you just can't storm the boat really easily. I feel like it's a little bit more of a, a better scenario where that one man saves the day thing makes more sense versus the, the, the movie. Now, that doesn't mean I think Die Hard is worse than this. No, I think Die Hard is probably better than this in, in my experience. But but I think like the believability, and when I say believability, just the scenario seems like a better setting for that. Hey, everything rests on one guy because you're on a boat, you're out somewhere, and there's cut off from a lot of things, and it's going to be a lot harder for outside forces to help you where I feel like when you're in the middle of what, what was it, L.A. for Die Hard, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Was it yeah. L.A.? Yes. Yeah. When you're yes, in the middle of L.A., like you're going to have resources there and someone's trained to help in this type of hostage situation where you would have more help from the outside forces. But So that's why I think the boat was a, just a little bit better scenario. But, yeah, I think they put their own spin on it. I think there's their own take, and I think that – Seagal does a really good job in this one and like I said it's one of my favorite performances probably from him and yeah it's just a fun movie I agree everything you said is so right on like putting it on a boat just isolates you even more Mm -hmm. and it's so much easier to keep the other people from interfering that I think it heightens the suspense a little bit. It yeah, it just keeps it going. And it's this is early action Steven Seagal. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think part of my and I'm not that I I didn't hate the movie. I mean, it's not like Point Break or anything. I didn't hate the movie. I think oh, it was boy. just. <laughs> I know I'm trying to cause some trouble here. I didn't hate the movie. I just I there were when I got done watching, I was like, yeah, that was fine. That was okay. And, and I think to your point, Pat, had I watched this movie maybe as a much younger person earlier, closer to when it came out, I, I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But I think part of it, I was watching this, and I think in my brain, especially with Steven Seagal as the hero, I'm, I'm making too many comparisons to like a Bruce Willis or an Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody like that. And mm-hmm. I remember kind of getting a decent way through this movie and I'm like, and he's even occasionally trying to drop some little one-liners and some zingers and things like that. But I, I as, as I was coming through it, I was just like, I, to me, this movie just doesn't have, I feel like there's some heart and there's some charm to Bruce Willis and Die Hard or even like 
Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, and I'm just not getting that. Like, it's maybe this is just a straight up. It's an action movie. There's explosions. There's people getting killed. Maybe it doesn't need to be charming, but I, that was just something that as I was watching, I was like, I don't know. I feel like something's missing here. I feel like you have some great villains. Gary Busey is is crazy as always. Tommy Lee Jones is hilarious in this movie. Like, I can see I can see why they got him in The Fugitive, but I can also see why they did him for uh, Two-Face in Batman Forever because he's yeah, moments in this movie where he's, Absolutely acting insane. But yeah, I, I, even for the parts that I enjoyed about the movie, it just overall, I kind of felt like I got through it and I was like, yeah, that just, it felt a little, what's the word I'm looking for? It felt, I don't know, it felt a little hollow to me. Like it was a decent Did action it? movie, but I was like, I, I felt like when I watch Die Hard, when I watch Commando, when I watch some of these others, uh, when I watch Lethal Weapon, when I watch that kind of stuff, even though they are similar action explosion testosterone like all that stuff i don't know this one to me just seemed like it, it didn't have the same heart and charm that the other ones do i don't know does it, i don't mm-hmm. know if it's making any sense or not no so i i'm just gonna say I, when i was walking up i got disconnected so i didn't hear when you guys i know i heard bo saying about when he saw it you saw it on vhs probably similar you were younger correct back around yeah. the time it came out pat what were you same thing same thing. I yeah, I was. Younger. So we all saw it before, and I could totally respect and understand your view on this. That I wonder if I saw it for the first time nowadays, I would probably feel very similar to what you're saying. I could totally see that because of comparing it to something else that I saw. Because you saw Die Hard when you were younger, correct, John? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you saw, and I think that whole nostalgic sort of piece or that connection to that's that throws me back to me and my family sitting around a TV, all my brothers, my dad, and we're watching a show and we're being entertained and we're having a good time together. So it automatically gets to be a more positive experience and it's going to help the movie with whatever flaws it may be. You're more forgiving of them because of the environment, time period, and who I saw it with and what age I was. If I were to see it for the first, I in a disclosure, I have not seen it for this viewing that, or for this podcast that we're doing. I saw bits and pieces of it about five years ago and I could totally see what you're saying. But I didn't see it all the way straight through again. I saw casually it was on. I was doing things. It was on TV, and I kind of was doing stuff in the house and around. And I was just kind of watching it, like, here and there, bits and pieces. And and I could totally see that. Like, I'm thinking, it's probably not as good as it felt back then. And so I don't need to watch it all over again and ruin it. You know, and not that I, did, I just didn't have time for this one. But I'm guessing that if I probably did that, I might have had some more, ooh, Ah, yeah, uh, maybe a little not as good as it was. But back then, man, it's all tied to an experience. And I think so many of our movies are tied to where we saw it, when we saw it. And and I think that would this would be a perfect case for that. I think back then, I'm going to say great movie, entertaining, fun time, family, pizza, popcorn, and watching that thing, and it was great. Now, watching it good by popcorn myself movie, as an yes. adult, watching as an adult now, I'd probably be like, I'd see more of the warts and more of the uh, the flaws and stuff and maybe see it as a little bit more hollow like you described. So I totally can see that. Does the does the Gary Busey in a dress scene bother you as much as Howard the Duck in the bathtub? <laughs> nothing, bothers, nothing bothers me as much as Howard the Duck. Okay. <laughs> Silly question. Uh-huh. And, and, and people out there in the audience uh, here listening, I mean, I, I'd be curious to see your reactions. Like, if you just saw it for the first time, does it hold up for those? My kids have not seen this film, so I don't know. But I'd be curious if people saw it first time now. 
And then I wonder, what if you saw it for the first time, but you didn't see Die Hard? Like, is it because it's compared to Die Hard so much? And I feel like you got to pick one of the two. Was there that pressure now? Where back then, I didn't feel the pressure that I had to pick one of the two. Yeah. For some reason, I just, like, enjoyed it and watched it. And that was it. I didn't feel like I was comparing it to Die Hard so much, even though, yeah, obviously, there's similarities. I probably didn't even, like, because Die Hard, while it was a great film back then, I don't know if it had established the long-living cult status that it did. Not cult status, but popularity, like classic status, I guess. That's kind of how I felt. I felt like if I if I had not seen Die Hard or some of those other kind of similar movies, that I probably would have a different have a different take on this one. And a different age. And did you see it yeah. with family, or did you see it just by yourself? Uh, Sharon and I watched it. La- was it last night or a couple nights ago? A couple nights ago. Yeah, and she had not seen it before. No, she hadn't seen it. And what did she think of it? About the same. Okay. We were yeah. both like, eh, okay, okay, yeah. You know. yeah. Like some of the, I mean, the like, as we started to watch it, the, the military stuff was fun, and, and she was already like, "Oh, my dad totally would have watched this movie. He probably did. I don't remember ever watching it, but her dad loved all the military movies." And then it kind of got a little further into the movie, and we were both like, "Hmm, hmm okay, all right." Yep. So. Well, let's see. We got another hour and whatever left. We'll. <laughs> But I mean, you you get into the action parts, and the, and the action parts are fun, and yeah, I just I don't know. There were just there were just some stretches of it that was like, okay, well, time to time to move along here. But one, I was going to throw in a couple of quick little fun trivia things. I don't know if you guys scoured the IMDb before uh, before we started recording here, but apparently at the time that this came out uh, to rent, and if any of you start laughing, I'm going to know that you saw this one as well. Uh, this was a very popular VHS to rent at the video stores, but video stores had to constantly replace their copies of the Under Siege VHS tape. Did anybody read why? Yeah, yeah I people read People kept that. rewinding I read the dirty parts. Yes. Yeah. People kept pausing and rewinding the cake striptease scene <laughs> so much that it ruined the VHS tapes and they had to have them replaced. <laughs> of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if, if any of our listeners were one of those people that destroyed the Blockbuster video copy of this, please feel free to... Chime in, give us a call, send us an email, whatever, let us know. And we'd love to hear your personal story about how you ruined a blockbuster videotape because you paused and rewound it so many times. Awesome. Awesome. So in this, as it goes on, one of the other kind of fun things that I noticed, and I, I noticed this first, but then I saw it in the IMDb section too, is when they have those scenes where they go to kind of like the war room I don't know if that's supposed to be Washington, D.C. or wherever it is, but they go to the war room, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm going, is this Dr. Strangelove? <laughs> this is, totally looks like Dr. Strangelove. And then I read in the in the IMDb section, one of them said something like, yes, they purposefully modeled the, the war room scene off of Dr. Strangelove. And that was the part, like, I, I had fun with that part. That part in particular, I was like, this is kind of fun, because normally you get, like, the stodgy military guys they're like, no, you must follow our orders no matter what, blah, 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 blah. But you have the one guy that's like, well, you already did what I told you not to do, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Did. yeah. All right. Well, since you're not going to listen to me, let's just roll with it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of a nice change of pace. Normally you get the, the military guys that'll just yell at him and tell him he's got to follow orders no matter what. And and these guys in the war room are a little bit, uh, it's a very laid back ward, ward room is, is kind of what I'm feeling there. Oh, you you already yeah. did that. You already started opening fire. Uh, well, all right, go ahead. Go ahead okay. I guess. <laughs> Proceed. Yeah, so. that that whole thing was funny when he's on the the radio 
like that that humor fell when he's like who the heck am i talking to and it was the gal and okay well he can't come to the phone right now well put him on hey they want to talk to you and hello sir and he's like there's gunfire and everything i'm fine thanks yes sir no he's going through the whole thing that 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 part the humor worked i thought yeah i I thought that was i thought that was good yeah so so we get through uh what about uh, Tommy Lee Jones as the villain? Because one of the things I will say, I, I don't want to say, it didn't confuse me. I wasn't confused by it. I don't want to say this. I almost want to say that Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey together as the villains, in some ways it kind of worked because they were both a little crazy. But at the same time, there were parts that I kept forgetting, and, and maybe that's part of the point. I kept forgetting like who was in charge. Like these guys yeah. are such strong personalities. Both of them are such strong personalities. Who's the main bad guy here? Like, who's my main villain? And there were times that I was like, "Wait a minute! I, did, I thought Gary Busey was Gary Busey's not in charge. Tommy Lee Jones is in charge." Well, no, maybe he didn't seem like he is in this scene. But, and I think maybe that might have been done on purpose. But I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think about the? the- I think it was a little on purpose. I think it just shows that they're not a cohesive unit. They're, they're just sort of. They're both trying to do the same thing, but it's not succeeding. And so I think it shows the internal conflict in their plan that sort of starts to unravel. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Lee Jones gets crazier every time something goes wrong. Right. Right. Maybe when they did auditions, they were like, man, I don't know who to choose. I'll just keep both. (laughs) Right. Because they're both darn good, I feel like they're crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're both crazy. Which of you guys want to tell them they're not hired? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's how they wrote it in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there were some parts. More, who would you be more afraid of? And with your question, Busey. Oh, I'd be more afraid of Gary Busey. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i'd be more afraid yeah. of gary Busey on a good day <laughs> yeah 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 i i i know i know that we don't not everybody here is a fan but i remember howard stern had gary Busey on and well maybe multiple times but there was one that they were all remarking after the interview like yeah that guy's a little crazy that like, boy ain't right and then and then he took off out of there what was it and, and then he came back or something like that and it was just like howard's just like okay well Glad Gary's gone. That got a little. That got a little intense. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, guys, he's back. He's like Howard. Howard, I forgot to tell you. And it was just like, and they, and all the guys on the rate, which Howard Stern being speechless is not something that happens all the time. And he, they were all just like, what is going on? It, yeah, he's a, you know, he's 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 an interesting dude. I did not realize until I read something on it that Gary Busey was actually nominated for an Oscar for a movie. I know. Oh. That's, that's pretty crazy. I was, I was, I was a little shocked. Wasn't he in, so he was silver bullet too, right? Yeah. Well, he was, it was for the buddy Holly story. Yeah. Mm. That he was yep. yep. I do remember that one. And if I, and if I can, I know we're talking about Gary Busey and him bringing his personal something, something. And I, and then you mentioned Tommy Lee Jones. I, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones just does such a great job acting big. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like just going so complete over the top. And then 
but he can do it so deadpan. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a, just a, it, like a default setting for him. And it's it just makes him perfect for roles like this. I'd also like to give a shout out for Colum Meany. Mm-hmm. And of, of course I'm going to talk about the Star Trek guy, the deep space nine guy, but it's funny. I looked at Tammy cause she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Oh, it's under siege. You haven't seen this. No. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you should sit down. No. Okay. No, and so that's okay. <laughs> and, but I just, I remarked to her, I said, it's amazing because Colin Meany can just be the bad guy so easy. And he is the bad guy in so many movies and not just as the bad guy. And sometimes he's like, not the bad guy, but he's a bad guy. And he plays it so well because you just hate him. But then in the same token, and I want to say, well, yeah, Star Trek and Deep Space Nine maybe even was going on and in and around this time. He can play like this family man, hero, like beloved character as, as well. Same dude. And I, I don't know, maybe every actor can do that. I'm not 100% sure, but he just plays it so well. And it just, it's just amazing to me that he can be such a good guy, but then such a, such a bad guy as well. Yeah. A man of many talents. Yeah. I was going to say The Fugitive is just a good example of that balance, how he could switch on you. Because... And the fugitive, even though he technically is the side of the good, but you, you know that Harrison Ford's character is innocent, so he seems like the bad guy here. But then mm-hmm. at the end, he's the understanding guy at the end, when he's like, I know. And that whole yeah. scene, he breaks down at the end, he's like, I know. And, yeah. yeah. And that was so a growth can, thing. He can tiptoe that role very well, yes. And then U.S. Yeah. Marshals. Yeah, well, and, and then especially because, not to do too much giveaway with the fugitive, but that whole, okay, fugitive spoilers, I don't think you have to worry about fugitive spoilers anymore. Okay. But, I don't uh, care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. I, I don't, don't care. care. Great and, line. And, and even the way he delivered it, as I remember, wasn't sneering. It's just like, that's not my job. My job is to bring you in, and that's what I'm well, going to do. I'm here so, to figure that out. This is what yeah. I got. Yeah. Yep. And, and he just delivered it so well. But then, like you said, U.S. Marshals, when he's, he can then go big, and it's like, all right, I want to find every this, that, this, that, this, that, brain dead, redneck, rup, 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 rup. I want you to go into this thing. I want you to search every in-house, outhouse, but boathouse. And he just delivers that rapid-fire stuff that's like that act big kind of thing. And so, yeah, he's a yeah, talented guy and, and brought a lot to this movie, which I think – like they say, every movie is only as good as its main bad guy, you know, and you've got, you've got the one, two punch of Gary Busey and, and Tommy Lee Jones. And I think that lets the focus be on that. So Steven Seagal can kind of focus on, you know, where his talents lie, which is that like dry, sarcastic kind of nothing phases me delivery. You know what I'm saying? And they don't need to overplay that or use it too much or overuse it because you can have the bad guys take up so much screen time. And that just makes Steven Seagal look that much cooler when he's doing his knife fighting and everything like that is because he just is, he can just act the same way the entire time, non, non-phased and not surprised by anything you see. Mm-hmm. It's like a football team being, being able to establish the run. You don't need to ask the quarterback to do things that the quarterback might not be comfortable with. You could keep them in their like comfort zone because you've established the run. And that's what this movie did. It, it established the bad guys and they like, 
oh my gosh, that was awesome every time those guys appeared on screen. But you never really had to ask Steven Seagal to do stuff that was outside his comfort zone. Right. Like the really awkward kiss of the girl at the end. You didn't need to ask him to do that. You did, but you didn't need to. You mean this move? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That was the, well, see, that was where the, the action part of the movie was starting to kind of redeem itself. And it was like, oh, the action's kind of fun. And I, you brought up the, the knife fight scene. I'm like, we both, as, as, as my wife and I are watching it, we both are like, kind of laughing at the knife fight scene a little bit because we're like, it looks like a cat fight. Like they're just like, nah, 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 like that, like with their knives. And and I was like, all right, so I'll, I'll give that one a pass a little bit because the action up to this point has been pretty good. But then it does get to the end there and it gets to the end where he then goes and he kisses the girl. And yeah, that's where it took me out of the movie again. After I had started to like, give it a little bit of redemption. It took me out again because I kind of felt like up to that point, that this was more of like a not a not a, like a father daughter kind of relationship between the two characters, but it was it was much more like that than like a love interest kind of a thing. So when he went to go plant this kiss on her at the end, I was like, ugh, that no, <laughs> that just seems wrong. Yeah. So I don't know. So and and nothing. I mean. I don't think they ever implied that it was a and, and, and father daughter is maybe not the right term to use, but it just felt like it was much more of a I'm a protector. I'm protecting you because you're 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 in this situation. You're way in over your head. So let me be let me be the person that protects you. I didn't get any other kind of chemistry from them throughout the rest of the movie. So when he planted that big kiss on her at the end, I was like, that just feels kind of a little creepy. So that's how it is in their family. Right. Well, it's like that relationship for that payoff to be there or that like that and that payoff, but that like point didn't really get developed to where that would make right. sense or feel right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Whether, I don't know if it's like necessarily creepy. It's just like you didn't develop that like sort of relationship at all or even hinting towards that where some movies you're like at the end, this is going to go, this is going to happen. And finally he's going to get to kiss the girl here at the end. And, and in this case, you're never really thinking that. So when it happens, it's kind of like, eh, could have done without that. Yeah. Why? Like, I think you said, why? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, why? Why? Not needed. Not needed. No. Let her, let her hop out of the cake again, but we don't need to do that. <laughs> Now that seems creepy. Anyway. <laughs> All right. If any of anybody listening is creepy enough that you paused and rewound the kiss at the end scene and you ruined the tape that way, let us know. Cause that's anybody. Who... You, but again, you keep asking people to let us know these things. Are you sure this is information you want to have? No. The one I really want to know is did anybody pause and rewind and break the tape with the Gary Busey and drag scene? That's, uh... that's the one I'd be more curious on. Okay. And and if so, why? And if so, are you okay? <laughs> and where the heck was I? <laughs> so no, I I think I think the, the end of the movie is kind of fun. You got all the everybody gets saved, you got everybody cheering. I, I did kind of make a little because I think <sighs> We weren't enjoying it as much as I was kind of hoping we would. Both my wife and I were kind of mystery science theater theatering this movie. This movie sure. by the time we got to the end, 
and you've got everybody cheering. And, and at one point, she was even like, did they remember to save all the people that were going to drown in the in the bottom of the boat? And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, they did? Did they did they remember to save them? And then it gets to the scene where then they, they go open up the door and the water comes spilling out. But it's like three feet of water. I was like, were they really in that much danger if there was that? Well, but he water? turned the water off. They were in danger at one point. Oh, I know, I know. But we just we kept picking on it at that point. Mm-hmm. We just think it was just more for comedic value for us at that point. Totally. Hey, I get it. I, I get it. Oh, all right. Is there anything else we want to say about other than, other than Pat just absolutely falling in love with all of the ships at the end? And yeah, and, uh, it, was, it was fun seeing the battleship. Yeah. The, the really just amazing shots of the battleship in here. And mm-hmm. yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Pat's a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Pat most certainly is a fan. Did they question at the end, did the girl get drafted into the Navy or did they just give her that because she didn't have any other clothes? Yeah. Like again, one of the last scenes yeah. of the movie, she's in like a Navy uniform. And I'm like, well, did you, well, hold on. Did she enlist or did what happened? Well, I'm, I mean... It was either that or she shows up at your door in a policeman uniform. I mean, take your pick. Well, right? I mean, you know. No, I, 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 I hear Navy. what you You can sail the seven seas. Yeah. Uh-huh. <sighs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this before we do three questions? I'm, I'm good. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. Which rock band would you want to have play at your surprise party? Any rock band. Sure, any rock band. Steve Miller Band. Any particular reason? Any particular reason, Bo? Oh, just because I think... It's my party, and I'm going to enjoy the music, and I think Steve Miller is a, such a wide variety. I don't know. Probably because they're top of mind because they're playing Nervinia again this year. Okay. Yeah, they are. Can it be any rock band from history, or does it have to be a band that's out there and functioning right now? could be any rock band from history. Actually, Nora asked that question. She's like, do they have to be alive? I said, no. She's like, okay, the Beatles. There it is. All right, there yeah. Smart Beatles kid. Be, Beatles would be awesome. I'll tell you, shout out to the Shirley podcast guys for doing the Toto, but I like Toto, man. So like that, I've been listening to them this week because I've been listening to their podcast on it. So I my gut reaction would be like, have Toto play. Just Hey, if that's what you want, you hold the line and you pick Toto. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That are the doors. 
I told you guys like a couple months ago after doing the movie The Doors, I'm like, dude, I need to be a fan of the band The Doors. So I've been working on becoming a fan. I've been listening to all the albums at least once a day. <sighs> Maybe The Doors. Maybe The Doors and Toto. Jim Morrison playing with Toto. <sighs> to see. And the possibilities naked, and the naked Indian. Well, sure. <laughs> there it is. <sighs> I, some of my choices, oh. I, I started to try to list off if it's my surprise party and it's probably not going to be like a huge, huge party. So who would be really fun? Like to just have at a surprise party and, and do a little performance, but then just be fun to hang out with realizing that that's not rock music necessarily. But one of my first choices of like, who would you want to have at your party and be fun to hang out with? I'm like, Jimmy Buffett. Like that would yeah. be, that would be a, a good one, but I I'm going to go with my Texas roots and I'm going to say ZZ top. There, there it is. Go. Ooh, I thought it would have been Motley Crue or something, man. No, no, I go ZZ top or, uh, Guns, Guns and Roses, no. Okay. I don't think I want to hang out with Guns and Roses. Okay. I'll listen to their music, but I don't think I'd want to like actually spend a whole lot of time with them. Maybe Slash. I know Slash seems like it'd be a good band. I just figured, you know, yeah, I guess you're yeah. spending time with them. I just figured they're at the band, you know. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, for me, I mean, if I was going artist, that would be just, I, I just go for my favorites. Like Peter Gabriel would be in there, but if I'm going to go band and we're going to have a band playing things, I would probably go U2 classic U2. So Bono and hanging out with them, I think would be pretty cool. My runner up would be probably James, a band called James yeah. mm-hmm. um, that I've seen and love. Yeah. Those would probably be my two. You too. I'm talking like Joshua Tree time. You too. Sure. Right when I'm Joshua Tree, that 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 version. I, I like him now still, but I'm like, if I were to go modern, I might I might pick. I think Coldplay would be kind of fun to maybe uh, have to. Yeah. All right. Question number two: Which Gary Busey character would you least want to meet in a darkened alley? Hmm. <sighs> For me, I'll take the easy route. I'll say this one because this guy was just, he was just a killer. You know what I'm saying? I mean. I kind of thought you'd go Mr. Joshua. Yeah. I mean, see, the question is, who would I least want to meet? Or who is the coolest bad guy character, right? Like like which one kind of creeps you out or scares you the most? This one kind of scares me the most. Okay. Like, Mr. Joshua makes sense. This guy doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the Dark Knight thing, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's like, just wants to kind of see the world burn. Yeah. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Gary Busey from Predator Two. Mm. There you go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna picture him standing in that dark alley, going, "Lions and tigers and bears, oh my!" And that's creepy enough for me, and I'll avoid that alley. <laughs> yeah. Although this one gives it a run for its money, especially if he's in the like the whole get up with the wig and the dress and the everything else. Yep. Yep. If it's the I, if it's the fully stacked 
Gary Busey from this movie, then yeah, that one might win out. But I really liked Gary Busey in Point Break. I'm just going to say that. Like we're talking about when he creeps me out in the bush back because he's normally the bad guy and he creeps yeah. people out. But it was fun seeing him as the good guy. Well, I mean, if you, you know? like if you like that kind of movie. Yeah, if if you like that kind of movie. I know I'm kind of like, this isn't like a rejection of your question because I answered it, but this is like a rejection adjacent answer in terms of, I'm going to tell you the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with. I'd hang out with that guy. Mm -hmm. Hey, Utah. You know, that would just be fun. Yeah. Yeah, somebody somebody gave him two in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, all right. So, who didn't answer? Who didn't answer what they're? I didn't answer yet. Yeah, I haven't either. This is hard. Uh, I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna go. Popular movie people seen. I'm gonna say Lethal Weapon. But then, and then, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go with the one that nobody probably saw because that's why I didn't say this one first. But it would be my it would be my first pick, and it's uh it's a movie nobody I bet here saw called Hider in the House where he plays a stalker who gets inside of the house and spies on a family. And I remember that like back on VHS and it's creepy and he's a weird stalker type of guy in there. So you gotta look at Hyder in the house. It's kind of like the time it was probably, it had to be late eighties, early nineties. It's 89. 89. Yeah. So that'd be about right. Yeah. Yep. Not a good movie necessarily, but he's a creepy character in there. So I'm not, don't go spending money on it. If you can get it free somewhere and watch it, sure. But I don't remember it being a great movie. I just remember him being creepy in that movie. I'm going to go with the version of himself that he plays in Entourage. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. That was a, it was an interesting version of Gary Busey. So now, if you want to carry, call this a role, I, I sent you guys a link in the chat and people could check it out. It's Gary Busey on the Practical Jokers episode. That's a pretty scary guy. <laughs> I would say, so like, we can watch that at the end. There's a, there's we can a watch decent that at number. the end. It's only a minute and a half, but it's like, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't want to run into that Gary Busey either. There's a decent number of interviews that he's done where it just makes me go, all right, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. That's that's it a, is that's a certain a kind of crazy. Thing. That's for sure. Yeah. So now, if if Gary Busey is by any chance listening to this, mm-hmm. he's <laughs> we're mowing, sorry, he's, dude. He's mowing it. <laughs> sorry, I will say that there's a few people who made comments on the link that we can maybe see after the podcast is over. But somebody had said like, "You got to give it up to Gary Busey for being such a good sport. Everyone thinks he's insane, so he just acts like one wacky relative who was worried. Everyone is worried about inviting the gatherings." So somebody said that, but then somebody did say that they know him. Oh yeah, I went to school with a nephew of his. He's a really cool, down-to-earth guy. So they said that he's actually a really cool, down-to-earth guy, which is interesting. So maybe nice. it's all an act. I don't know. Even in interviews, sometimes people do. I don't know. So maybe we'll, we'll give you give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, yeah. Played a great character, a very likable character, and I think in uh, Silver Bullet, I brought that one up before, and I mm-hmm. think he did like. He was the friend of the one kid and, and kind of the, the trusted adult, and, and, and he pulls that off. There's not too many roles where he's like that, though, I guess. But Well, I, I liked him in Point Break, even though I couldn't stand the rest yeah. of the movie. I liked him in Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> but, God, what a, what a piece of trash of a movie, man. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I hate surfing. <laughs> so so what, is that, what episode is that that people have to go to and watch to? We don't know what we're talking about. To, to find out Point Break, I have to go back and look. I don't remember which one Point Break was. I've tried to put it out of my mind. I hated it so much. 
You know what makes me mad? The fact that they let him go in the end. That's what makes me mad. They should have just executed him right there on the beach is what they should have done. Well, it just goes to show you. Trying to cause trouble. There's always something. Mm -hmm. Speaking of something, question three. Have you ever been on an actual battleship or a naval vessel? Nope, but God, would that be cool. I have been on a couple of battleships. I do not. I was young enough that I do not remember what they were, but I know a couple of different times we would. I know one of the times, one of the very first times we went to Florida, I feel like we went to Pensacola and there might have been a ship there. And then I feel like there was another time that we were somewhere else. Maybe it was, maybe it was Galveston down in Texas. And I feel like there might have been a ship there at one I think point. The, I think the USS Texas is down there somewhere. Is it by Galveston? Okay. So so if any of those, I mean, this is all, we're talking like still in the 80s. Like it would have been before the 90s because I it's far enough back that I don't remember the names of them. I remember going. I remember seeing them, but I don't remember the names of them. The most recent one, and our Oklahoma contingent of friends will appreciate this one. The most recent one, one of the last times that we drove down to Texas, we had the kids with us. We stopped at the USS Batfish, which is a submarine, and it is currently housed in the middle of a field in Muskogee, Oklahoma, off the highway. Oh, cool. So that one was kind of fun. It's uh, You can you go on, you can go into it, you can kind of see like how big all the, the bunks were, and, and the 80s, like submarines like that, it's it's tiny, it's claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. But but that was fun. The kids enjoyed that one too. I think John even got a uh, in the gift shop. I think they had a Lego set of the Batfish that you could build. So I think he got that. Oh, fun! Built it on the way down to Texas. So yes, cool. if you're driving through Muskogee, Oklahoma, feel free to stop by the Batfish. Anybody else? Anybody else going out? Uh, my my wife did mention too that she was where was she? she in Virginia? Might have been in Norfolk, Virginia. I actually got to see one of the aircraft carriers come in. Oh, right on. And so that was really cool. That's very cool. I am trying to think if it was. I'm asking somebody because I didn't, yeah, I didn't see if I can get an answer on this one. But I haven't, I, I know I've been on one, I believe it's one battleship, and I'm trying to get track down where it was at. I don't know if it was Arizona or where. There was some place we were on vacation, and we went and saw it. Um, and we're on it, and you can walk through everything. But then there was, uh, the closest anything else would be, like, the German U-505 at the Museum of Science and Industry. And then out in San Diego, they have, like, the USS Midway, but that's an aircraft carrier. So mm-hmm. it's kind of more of a museum type of thing, but, yeah. So I've been on those. If I get the answer to the other one, I don't know. I know we were on one of them. I don't want to say USS Arizona because I don't know if that's true. No, that I don't. It, it wouldn't have been the Arizona. Because no, it was sunk. I'm wondering if there was a different, like, version. Like, did they redo? There's something. Well, honestly, I was an mm. Arizona vacation. There was a, it was, because the original is obviously sunk. And sometimes they do, like, different, like, I don't know if it would just been a, a fake, like, a remake. Like, a, I don't know. I would say no, especially with, I think the Arizona, they keep that uh, picture, but somewhere too. Pretty. It was in Texas. Okay. Hold on. Oh, it was in Texas? In Texas, yeah. So let me see. I think the USS Texas is down in Texas. 
I bet I bet the one I went to in Texas was the was the Texas. You think it was? Was that probably that was because that's down in Galveston, and we used to go to, say, down by Galveston. Okay, then that would yes. be it because that's where we were at. Yeah, because we used to Ran go to Galveston. Galveston, and that's where that's where we went on something. So it's yeah. pictures, but it looks like that's in the water still. Like, like I mean, like like literally away from. For some reason, I don't remember being. Maybe we were. It's crazy how narrow it is down in those things, man. It's amazing. Like, I don't think I'd be claustrophobic on a ship, but because the quarters are so small in so many of those places, I mean, I remember hitting my head on a lot of things walking through. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. All right. Did we get everybody? We got... Oh, you said you had not been on one. Pat, I have you... not, yeah, but I would like to. Yeah. Pat, did you answer? I yeah, I, not yet. I oh, was okay. kind of I was kind of researching the battleships. I have never been on a battleship. Okay. I have got I can't say with 100% certainty, but with 95% certainty, I have all of the battleship memorials, museums around America kind of like staked out. And that's kind of on the bucket list of traveling to all of those. That kind of surprises me that you haven't been on one. Yeah, I, yeah I've just never been to that area of the country yeah. where they've had one. Now, our good friend Jim Garbrecht actually has been to all four of the New Jersey-class battleships, which oh, nice. the the Missouri was one of the four. And so he's been to all of those, and he's talked about it, and and like, I'd like to get out to San Diego and see the Midway. And then in what, what is the one in, is it the Intrepid is in Hudson? Where is that? The, Hudson, the one that was in National Treasure that has all the planes on the, the different planes from the different eras on the deck that Nicolas Cage jumped off of in National Treasure. Anyways, those are aircraft carriers too. But no, I've got a list of all the different uh, memorials. I've been on, like Dennis mentioned, the, there's a submarine, World War II era submarine, the USS Silversides over in Michigan that I toured and went through. And then out in Boston, the USS Constitution, the oldest still active, but still considered active, but the USS Constitution and right next, right next to it is a World War II era destroyer. And you can walk through those and, and all that kind of thing. And then while we were out in Boston, they had a, a missile frigate that was also moored there, and they were they were nice enough to give us a tour, so we got to kind of like go check all that out and got a bunch of pictures of those. So yeah, I I basically been on like submarines and destroyers and frigates and all that, but nothing nothing much uh, bigger bigger than that. Yeah. So. But yeah, they're 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 definitely on the uh, definitely on the list of ships that I'd like to see. Yeah. Yeah, it was I looked it up real quick. The one in National Treasure was the Intrepid. Okay. Yeah. So that'll do it for under siege for us. If you want to find us, uh, find all of our other episodes, we're at 30podcast.com. We're at 30podcast on a lot of the different social media outlets. So go find us over there. For our next episodes coming up for the rest of the month of April. 
We have, we've got our Patreon episode is going to be on over there. If it's not there now, it should be over there soon. If you are a Patreon member, a co-executive producer, any level of support over there. We thank so much those that are supporting us over there, helping just keep the, keep the show running here, helping us to cover some of the costs of the show with their support and just so happy that they're enjoying some of that extra content we put out there as well. High Noon is there for this month's Patreon episode. 1952. The regular episodes we got coming up in the next couple of weeks for this month will be A Few Good Men and Universal Soldier. May will be Singing in the Rain is our Patreon episode. And then we've got Noises Off, Newsies, Aladdin, and Cool World. Then in June, we've got The Godfather from 1972 is our Patreon episode. And then the rest of that, I think that month is titled The Man Show. So every movie that's in there has the word man in the title. We've got The Distinguished Gentleman, Encino Man, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Lawnmower Man, and Candyman. So, I don't think we're going to finish those episodes with the uh, traditional, what was it, the ziggy zaggy ziggy zaggy oi 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 and then down a couple of beers. I don't think we're going to be doing that. But, I don't know, if anybody's up for it, I guess you could if you want to. Depends on what condition we're in at the end of the episode. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you no. I mean, if you want to, that's I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to crush your dreams. So yeah. you guys do what you want to do. You, we're all big boys here. Mm-hmm. Not we're all our just fine here. Judge. Yeah, all, no, no judgment here. No judgment. All right, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you so much as always for being here with me. Love talking movies with you. Thank you, John, for putting it together and keeping us here. Yeah. All right. Ditto. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and we will see you back here next time for a few good men. 